Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're going to be covering everything that Apple announced, give our reactions, and go more in-depth on things from like the M1 Ultra, the new Mac Studio desktop, and a bunch of listener questions and comments that came through Twitter. We're going to cover those too. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Superbeats, Headspace, Masterclass, and Grammarly. These are some of my, my favorites, I'll be honest, but you'll hear about them in a moment. Links to all of them in the show notes as well. And joining me for this first Apple event of the year, the man, the myth, the legend, my friend William Gallagher. How's it going, William? I'm just, I'm waiting for a fourth thing. The man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> uh, wait, hang on. Sorry. There was an Apple event, was there? Oh, no. Well, listen, I mean, I hate to tell you this. I know you, you're doing it just to, so one day you'd be right, but there was, there was no Apple car. Oh, I don't come know if on. Was, come yeah. I, I don't know if there was some post show that I missed uh, where they announced. Yeah, that, that, that's it, really. Um, clearly, uh, I was invited and uh, can't tell you anymore uh, yet. Oh, okay. No. Okay. Very top secret. <laughs> Frankly. I understand. You had a personal meeting with Tim Cook. I totally get it. Timmy. Yeah, absolutely. Me, yeah, uh, yeah we, we go we go back hours now, me and Tim. Yeah. yeah we'll, <laughs> well, we're going to get into all of it. Want to give some shout outs. We have, again, so many five-star reviews. You, thank you guys so much. You guys are killing it. From all over the world, we have Cloaked Hayes from the USA, Captain PJ. I think he works from home. He's from New Zealand. Uh, Roland the Doctor from the USA. 555 Logs from Germany. Thank you for that five-star review. S underscore U1KY. I don't know. I'm not even going to try and say that like a word. But from Great Britain, your neck of the woods. I appreciate that. Mm. Also, Maine at the Steve Oge. I don't know what that is, but he's also from Great Britain. I'm sure you know him uh, personally. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, wait yeah. a minute. S underscore U1. That's Sulky. God, Sulky. Sulky. How have you been? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good. You guys go way back. Way back. <sighs> uh, one of my favorite usernames I've seen in a review, Default Nacho. Uh, he gave us a five-star rating review from Great Britain. Kudos uh, for that name. That, that's very fun. <laughs> yes. Chiabi Zapuro. I don't know. That's probably just some random letters and stuff, but also from the USA. Thank you. For all those five-star reviews, keep them coming. I like giving these shout-outs and seeing where people are from. You can, you know, leave that in the comment when you leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. You know, give us uh, the name you want the shout-out from and, and where you're from. Love to uh, hear where you are all around the world. And, you know, Germany, I think that's just our first or second person from there. So, guten tag, as they say. Well, there was a little Apple event. We're going to talk about the peak performance event from March 8th. You know, we tried to read the tea leaves on the last episode, Wes and I. And I feel like they did kind of allude to what they were going to talk about. Peak, P-E-E-K, they did announce a new display, which we'll get into, the studio display. That feels like a thing you peek at with your eyes. And performance, pretty clear. The M1 Ultra. So, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, you can never read anything from the Apple events. The, the logo and design, the AR thing, obviously we did not see any kind of VR or augmented reality thing. But I think peak performance, it, it kind of alluded to what they announced. What do you think? There are people who go over the invitations and the announcements and the strap lines with a microscope trying to find mm. these things. And on the one hand, I think that is ridiculous and silly and pointless. And on the other hand, I don't think it goes far enough because I did it uh, <laughs> with the foreign language versions as well. This, you did. Uh, that's five minutes of incisive jour international journalism or five minutes playing around with safari translation but it was fascinating to see the cultural differences in france uh what did they say something like um the performance enters the scene right and uh, japan was very quite poetic about uh the peakness have been lifted 
or something like this. So yeah, I was expecting more than just the iPhone SE goodbye. <laughs> so yes, there was more. Yeah, that that was interesting seeing all the different how it translates in all the different languages. So that that was a that was a fun uh, yes. exercise. I'd love to see it again. And before we get into exactly what was announced again i did a recap episode you can tune into that it was the last episode in the feed if you really want to just hear everything that was announced we'll go more in depth kind of our reactions to it one thing that was interesting the event on march 8th was actually international women's day four out of seven presenters and all the developers the six developers that were interviewed to talk about the m1 ultra were women and i thought that was cool you know coincided with international women's day i didn't even really think about it during the event but you had a nice article kind of breaking that down and i'm surprised that i did in a way because um when i was asked to write it i was said you know there's a preponderance of women and i'm thinking yeah probably so um and i still think that's the only sensible thing the right people presented the right things apple puts up the person who's going to sell it the best so what i don't care who it is or what the gender is but there was suddenly this underlying issue that uh, at the same time as possibly celebrating international women's day apple is also it has a, a astoundingly bad reputation uh, for women within its own staff and companies and that dichotomy between the two i thought was terribly important apple is visually doing the right thing uh, whether that's deliberate or just whoever's best i don't know but it's visually doing the right thing and it's not doing internally uh share scarlet a's ex software engineer one of the founders of Apple too, kind of applauded them for that, said, you know, visual representation, video representation, I think she said, is great, but it's nowhere near enough. And the more you look into it, the, the more shocking uh, it is, the situation of Apple and women inside the company. It's, um, yeah, so I think the headline for it was that Apple is praised and slammed. And right. it is, so... Yeah, so we'll we'll have to see. I mean, hopefully Angela Arentz, who was you know famously one of the SVPs when it was over retail, but she had since left. Mm. And so we'll have to see you know how Apple replaces some of that senior leadership. I do want to give a specific shout out the Mac Studio. When we got to that segment in the event, it was covered by Colleen Novielli, and I thought she killed it. I mean, as far as presenting and yeah, the whole part of the the event, it was very exciting. Plus, it was a very exciting piece of hardware probably the you know highlight of the event so so kudos exactly the word i was going to say she and it absolutely the highlight everything else fine but that was the thing if you uh, i have this thing whenever i was writing for apple insider at the time and i was watching the event and writing things and you miss bits because you're off writing a bit i always said yeah. to watch uh, afterwards but this time i just went straight to her and the mac studio bits yes yeah it's very it's very exciting now some of the things we did not see you know we kind of gave some predictions there are lots of rumors of things we would see obviously we did not see Apple Car, as per William, just throwing that out there. <laughs> Apple VR headset or AR, didn't see anything there. Nothing really software related at all. You know, even with Universal Control probably coming out in the next week or so in the official release of 15.4 and macOS 12.2, is it? 12.3, yes. Yeah, 12.3. You know, we didn't really hear about any kind of software related thing, and we did not see AirPods Pro 2 which I kind of felt like would have been likely at an event like this one, but but none of that and nothing home-related except for the HomePod Mini is now available in more countries, but that wasn't in the event. That was kind of on the side. It's available in Belgium, the Netherlands, and Switzerland now, uh, but that was it. So still lots to go 
As far as this year, obviously with events, I imagine we'll see a number of things at WWDC, but just wanted to note, you know, things that we thought might happen, but definitely did not. Uh, Excuse me, though, I think you've missed out possibly the key announcement. Well, it wasn't an announcement, it was on a slide in the background, that there is a new keyboard, trackpad and mouse Uh, available. Okay. They do look, well, the keyboard looks great. The black trackpad looks oddly tacky, but probably just the photographs. I was a little confused. The accessories were, were mentioned at the very end of the event. This is not the first time Apple has had a black magic keyboard, trackpad, and mouse. I am actually holding them right (gasps) now because not the new ones, the previous ones, because one of my workplaces had gotten a Mac Pro at one point that they did not need the keyboard and mouse, and so I acquired it. And so I use a black magic mouse right now, Uh... and I have the black magic keyboard, but the thing about this one and the new one it is only available with the number keypad on the right. You know, it's the extended oh, right. Magic Keyboard. And the only difference between the one I have and the new one is the Touch ID button, which is welcome. But I actually prefer the non-number keypad Magic Keyboard. I like the more compact version of the Magic Keyboard. And I wish, I hope, that Apple releases a version with the black keys, but shortened without the number keypad with Touch ID. You know, right now your options are get the white magic keyboard with touch ID, no number keypad, or get the long magic keyboard with touch ID and number pad. I kind of wish that there was uh, more options there, but but yeah. My mind's still on the word acquired. You acquire, yeah, they don't press. <laughs> you, like, you like that? <laughs> I had to replace my Apple Magic Keyboard in about mid-2020. It just, after five years and several million words, it just, it was dead. Uh, so I have a new, I still think of it as the new one, but as I look down at it now, uh, my A and S keys have completely worn away. Wow. I don't know why those. You can see slight damage on the others, but those are the two. The C is a bit wobbly, but other than that, it's very peculiar. Maybe it's uh, select all and then copy. Command A, Command C. True, and and I do automatically save, even though the pages saves for itself. Right. Uh, years of habit of not wanting to lose anything. I do. Uh, you'd expect the command key to be out then as well, wouldn't you? Hmm. You would. Th- mm. Yeah, that is true. You would think. Maybe, maybe you just kind of gently press that one, like with the, you know what I mean. But the A and the S, you're like select all. You just slam that A. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. I did actually look at the price of the new keyboard, and it's in the UK. It's two hundred pounds, which is, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, I think it's worth it over time. I know they last years and years, and they are very, very good. But yeah, at point of purchase, it's uh, it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, and that's I'm well. We'll talk about what we might have bought later uh, because I'm I still do not have a Magic Keyboard with Touch ID, and um, I think I'm going to need one pretty soon. But uh, we'll get into that in a, in a minute. Hmm. Through going through the event, Apple announced Apple TV Plus. They they did kind of like a teaser reel, upcoming movies with Will Ferrell and Zac Efron and Ryan Reynolds. That was all very fun. The new animated movie they have coming out, that all looked good. Then the big announcement was MLB coming to Apple TV Plus. Two games every Friday once the regular season begins included in your Apple TV Plus subscription. No blackouts or anything like that, depending on location. So if you're an MLB fan, I'd be curious your thoughts on this. I I don't really watch the baseball, so I, <laughs> William over there in the UK, I feel like you probably care even less. Oh yeah, yeah, just engrossed all the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm curious to know whether they have international rights for it or whether it's US only. But the difference is whether I avoid watching it or not. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. <laughs> it says it's in US and Canada. Australia, Brazil, Japan, Mexico, Puerto Rico, South Korea, and the UK. 
nuts. So those are the those are the countries it's available in now. It's Friday nights, isn't it? So I'm going to have to have something else to do on Friday nights. Although actually, Friday's when Apple drops all of its best episodes, and I'm into Severance now, so that's well, that's good. I don't know how you feel about this, William, but I have a great suggestion for you for your Friday nights. No, really, what could that possibly be? Ah, uh, Modern <laughs> Love on Amazon Prime. I'm right with you. Fantastic show. I would recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Ted Lasso. But anyway, let's go on to the iPhone SE. <laughs> Star Trek Discovery is on Netflix here, I think. Uh, get mixed uh, yeah, that. Um, yeah. Just yes. throwing it in there. Yeah, just throwing it yeah, out put there. Put it in the background. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Mm. So next came the iPhone SE. Now it was rumored and we saw it at the event. The iPhone SE and iPad Air were updated. So some things maybe I did not pull out during the recap. The new iPhone SE, again, it's the same body design. It does have the A15 Bionic, which it will last for many years with that you know, chip, the same chip that you find in the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro. But the iPhone SE, while it has 5G cellular data, it is only sub six gigahertz. So you don't get the ultra wideband, super fast 5G speeds, which is again, not really widely available, but just to take note, it does not have those super fast ultra wideband frequencies. It does have things like portrait mode, photographic styles, which was new with the 13 lineup and deep fusion when it comes to the camera. And it did increase in price. The iPhone SE 2 previously was $399. The new iPhone SE, which comes in three colors, Midnight, Starlight, and Red, product red, is now $429. It increased $30. So that's the new iPhone SE. And there was one question on Twitter. This was from Kumaran Thambi on Twitter. He was asking, iPhone 13 mini or iPhone SE 3, which would you choose? And I thought that was an interesting question because now you're dealing with like a 200 $70 difference between the iPhone SE and the iPhone 13 mini. What are the differences there? Well, on the 13 mini, you do get the ultra wide camera. It's also the different form factor. You get face ID. It is a similar screen size, but smaller body style because it doesn't have the forehead and chin. So, you know, I think it's really body style. Do you prefer face ID? And do you want that ultra wide camera, which is pretty nice, I'll be honest. But I don't know. What what would you say, William, uh, if someone said, maybe not someone who's like super up on all the technology, but needs a new phone, would you recommend iPhone SE or 13 mini? Do I like this person? <laughs> Let's say you like this person. Okay, yes. just checking You like there. this person. Um, in that case, I would tell them the, the only practical is the iPhone SE because of the price performance stuff. It's just no question. It's better value all around, except I've been using a 2020 iPhone SE on and off for the last few months, and I, I don't like it you know uh, mm. considering i like touch id on my macbook pro i find it a real tedious thing on the iphone uh, se that i'm using and there's uh, i'm biased because i haven't usually i use an iphone 13 pro and the difference is is considerable in every possible way the screen is so much better and all this uh, but i've yeah. kind of taken against the se even though all yeah. possible logic says it is the closest thing to a bargain apple will ever do yeah. yeah and if you ever get a refurbished model you know apple has their certified refurbished mm. part of the store this will be a sub 400 dollars phone refurbished you'll probably have to wait a number of months to see those refurbished models and there'll also probably be sales from like carriers and best buy and things like that but for the crowd who still wants a physical home button Maybe an older crowd, maybe you have a parent or grandparent that is like, I just don't want Face ID. My father-in-law is one that just does not want to switch to Face ID no matter what. I think he's currently rocking an iPhone 8, which is basically the same form factor, but much slower than this new iPhone SE. For him, you know, he's the audience for this. It's the same form factor he's used to. 
but a much faster chip that will get software updates for many years to come. Sorry, that's a thought. You just said the iPhone. I, I, I could be wrong here, but I seem to remember thinking during the presentation it was peculiar how they kept comparing the new iPhone SE to the iPhone 8 and how much faster is, how much better. You would have thought uh, they would compare it to the previous iPhone SE. And I presume that means the difference is minuscule. They want the, the drama of a bigger gap. Yeah. So actually, uh, unless you want 5G, then get a refurbished old iPhone iPhone SE. Well, what what was the, let's see, iPhone SE 2 chip? Let's see what chip was in that thing. Oh, good point. Uh, also, I've got to be, I'm a bit uh, biased about 5G because you're saying that it doesn't have MMWave, but I'm in the UK and none of, no iPhone outside the US has MMWave 5G. So right. I've never seen the wonders that I've watched you <laughs> perform with on video. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did get like 1700 megabits down, but in a single parking lot outside of a TGI Fridays in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> the only place I've seen, uh, it was AT&T 5G+, Plus, so they're ultra-wideband. Hmm. But supposedly it's rolling out to like more airports. Supposedly Tampa International Airport has ultra-wideband in several terminals, but I haven't gotten a chance to try it. The iPhone SE 2, though, the previous generation, came with an A13 Bionic, which oh, right. is still faster than the iPhone 8. The iPhone 8 came with an A11 so, you know, A11 to A15 would be a significant jump in performance, I would think. So anyway, it's a specific crowd. So it's out there. Not really super exciting. Apple did announce, and you know, this is funny, like what kind of normal non-tech-based people hear from an event. Mm. And there were several people I heard from like, yo, the iPhone comes in new colors now. Like of all <laughs> the things from the event, this was the thing that, uh, you know, just kind of like regular people hear about and are excited about. And so they did announce two new colors. The iPhone 13 comes in green and the iPhone 13 Pro now comes in alpine green, which I guess is a different green. Uh, maybe it's just because of the stainless steel difference uh, as compared to the aluminum iPhone 13. But new green colors and at Tan Cot asked me on Twitter, you know, our thoughts on the green color. And I don't know if you've got a lot of chance, William, to to stare at these iPhones on Apple's website in this green color. You, frankly, I'm terrified of them. Terrified. That video, the launch, they did oh, they, it they, rippling <laughs> with anger. <laughs> <laughs> that video did have some it's alien really vibes. Frantic, yes. Yeah, like uh, I expected Sigourney Weaver to try and like uh, get this phone as it. <laughs> <laughs> try to come out of its own skin. Right, that's an image. Uh, it was a cool animation. Okay, it, I mean, it's fantastically well done, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also terrifying. Yeah, a little bit, tiny <laughs> bit. Okay. <laughs> so I'll be honest, green is actually my favorite color. Oh, right. I really like green, but green comes in many, many different shades. And the green of these iPhones, I, I don't know. I think maybe I would feel differently if the band around the phone wasn't also green. Like, I would be curious to see what the iPhone 13 Pro would look like in the alpine green back finish, but have a silver band around it. I feel like I would be more about that. Mm -hmm. uh, because, I don't know, the iPhone green, it's, it's an interesting green. I'll have to see it in person. Again, many times pictures do not do it justice and lighting and all that change dramatically what an iPhone looks like in person. True. But... I'm not sure. I feel like the green of the iPhone 11 Pro might have been a more attractive green, but I don't know. 
Yeah, welcome, new color. You know, that's cool. I'm trying so hard to find a joke that involves the line, it's not easy being green, and I can't quite get there. <laughs> so, sorry uh, Well, that. you just did. You, you just did. <laughs> so it was midnight green. Excuse oh, me, the yes. iPhone 11 Pro was midnight green. I remember midnight blue, and I love midnight blue. That was gorgeous. Yes, the midnight blue was nice. Yeah. The midnight green, as I'm looking at it now, I feel like it was a slightly more attractive green. It's a very subtle difference in shade, but... I'll do a side-by-side picture as the chapter art as you listen. You can see the iPhone 13 Pro in Alpine Green versus the 11 Pro in Midnight Green. And you all can let me know on Twitter which you prefer. I'm surprised, though. You said that about photography and real world. Uh, I noticed it with the green uh, Apple Watch. Uh, Saw the photograph. Apple, you know, I mean, they don't skimp on the photography. They have tremendous people doing it. And I looked at it and thought, ooh, basically. (laughs) And then you see it in the flesh. Ooh. Yeah, that's um, it's true. fascinating the difference. I think. Yeah, there's also a bunch of new colors of Apple Watch bands that were released and Apple silicone cases, not silicon cases, <laughs> right. silicone cases. I have to think you about get that. that right. Yes, yeah, think about that. The uh, Starlight braided solo loop is tempting me, and if there was like next day delivery, I, I might jump on it, but but not yet. I don't know. I'm, I've resisted so far. We'll see. This episode is brought to you by Super Beats. As you may be getting older like myself, a lot of times we try to fix tiredness, maybe lack of sleep with more caffeine. I'm guilty of it. I have a good amount of caffeine every day, but there's actually a better and a new way to start your day and give yourself that energy you need to get your work done and focus. And that's Super Beats Heart Chews. They're a tasty treat that give you the energy you need and they're good for you. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, or a candy pick-me-up. Just add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews, that's Super B-E-E-T, you know, like the vegetable, to your morning routine and you promote heart-healthy energy for your day without a caffeine crash. They're clinically researched and the grapeseed extract in the Super Beats promote heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure as part of a healthy lifestyle. I've actually been eating the Super Beats Heart Chews for a number of months now. I really like them and they actually taste great. They're fun to eat and that grapeseed extract is two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure than just a healthy lifestyle alone. So do your heart a favor and treat yourself with Super Beats Heart Chews. And for Apple Insider listeners only, you can get up to 45% off plus free shipping at superbeats.com slash Apple Insider. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's superbeats, S-U-P-E-R-B-E-E-T-S, superbeats.com slash Apple Insider. Get up to 45% off at superbeats.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Superbeats and also our friends at Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. I love learning at Masterclass. You can learn about cooking from Gordon Ramsay, acting from Samuel L. Jackson and Natalie Portman, and some of my favorite classes is scientific thinking with Neil deGrasse Tyson and the art of negotiation with Chris Voss. With over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors, the thing you've always wanted to learn is closer than you think. Every masterclass is broken up into individual lessons. They're about 10 to 12 minutes, so you can do one on a lunch break. And the cinematography is beautiful, especially when you're doing something like a cooking class or an acting class. That visual is really effective. I also love Hans Zimmer class about music composition. You see his studio and his equipment. He talks about melodies with characters. I love it. And if you're a freelancer or you work with a lot of clients, I cannot recommend enough Chris Voss's class on the art of negotiation. You will learn some incredible things from that class. You can watch Masterclass on any of your devices, iPad, iPhone, you get the app on Apple TV, or just watch it in the web. And when you do a class like cooking, they have some high quality downloads that are basically like a high-end cookbook. 
I also love being able to watch them on my phone and you can flip it into audio only mode and listen to it like it's a podcast like you're listening to right now. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as an Apple Insider listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider today for 15% off an annual membership. Masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. And links to all of our sponsors are in the show notes. You can just click them there. Our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. Now, the iPad Air is a very interesting product in this event because they have updated the iPad Air, not with the A15 chip that we assumed, but the M1, William. Yeah. William, this iPad Air now has the same chip as our iPad Pros. I know you have an M1 iPad Pro mm-hmm. with you right now, mm-hmm. and, and it's an 11-inch. Yes. And so now, the difference between iPad Air and iPad Pro, the gap is closed even more. No. No? Why, why not? You tell me why not. Why is there still a big difference? I, I have an 11-inch iPad Pro, and the iPad Air is only 10.9 inches. And that's just ridiculously, <laughs> that's unusable. Yeah. If you ask me, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> despite it's still working with the same magic keyboard, which is interesting, which is a big thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which is interesting. So, I mean, technically the difference is now between this new iPad air and the 11 inch iPad pro, we'll just take that model for now mm-hmm. is Thunderbolt instead of USB-C, mm. which again, on an iPad, I don't know how much you're going to be using Thunderbolt mm. uh, storage and docks with your iPad pro, but Thunderbolt and USB-C and then ProMotion. The iPad Air still does not have ProMotion. That's only on the iPad Pro models. But aside from that... Uh, cameras. Uh, I think the back cameras are different as well. Not enough that I cared, um, but I thought it was different, sir. I think you get LiDAR on the iPad Pro as well. You don't get LiDAR. Oh, I do like I do like LiDAR. Yeah, on the, on the iPad Air. Okay. And then also storage sizes. You know, you could get the iPad Pro up to two terabytes. Mm. The iPad Air only comes in 64 or 256. So you do have some storage differences there. But when it comes to performance, it's using the same chip, William, the same deal. I feel like this kind of blurs that line between if someone should get an iPad Air or iPad Pro, I would be hard pressed to suggest the 11 inch Pro. Now, the 12.9 inch, then you have the whole different display. You got the mini LED XDR display, which I do think is significantly different. Plus, if you just want that larger size, you can't get an iPad Air that size. But the 11 inch Pro and iPad Air now, I mean, very similar. I feel like I'm going to tell most people the iPad Air is the one to get. Completely. If I were buying today, I'd look at the iPad Pro just to think about it, but uh, iPad Air all the way. Every reason that I went for the iPad Pro is now fine with the iPad Air. So yes, which basically chiefly means the M1. Uh, I thought if I get an M1 process, obviously it'll be fast, but also it will just last a long time. It will continue to be fast for a long time. And now that's true in the Air. I think the Air, plus the Air comes in different colors, which does appeal to me a lot. That's true. Oh, and the other big difference, I forgot, Touch ID on the Air versus Face ID on iPad Pro. Oh, that is the other big difference. Actually, I'd forgotten um, that. Good point. To- totally forgot. So that is a big difference. You know, every time I use my iPad mini that has Touch ID, I wish it had Face ID. Mm. And every time I use my 12.9-inch iPad Pro with the Magic Keyboard and it just scans my face whenever it needs authentication and I don't have to do anything, yes. I don't have to try and find that sleep button. I think it is significantly different. And, you know, I've seen some arguments about, oh, we don't need Face ID on the Mac anymore. Like, Touch ID is fine. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I think Face ID is significantly more convenient. And I would love 
for something like the studio display or the new MacBook Pro or whatever comes next from Apple, I really want Face ID everywhere. And I would like it on the Mac as well, either in a display, in a larger iMac, which may never happen. And we'll get to that in a second. But I, I think Face ID is a, is a significant difference there. Yes, actually. I wouldn't have said so because I, I still have the stage where I kind of gurn whenever I need to open my phone and that I feel silly doing it, but I can't shake the habit. Uh, it's just gets back to going back to Touch ID on the SE. I find it a real chore just doing it. Whereas uh, I'm four months into the MacBook Pro with Touch ID and I still think, oh, this is quite good. Look, it's working. I enjoy it there. But yeah, give me Face ID wherever possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the iPad Air. Now let's get into the main event, the M1 Ultra and the Mac Studio. Whenever they go down to that basement part <laughs> of Apple Park and Johnny Saruji's down there talking about chips, I, I get a little excited. I'll be honest. I mean, he was even <laughs> he was even like, we have the top secret feature of the M1 Max that no one knew about until today. He was being very dramatic. Yes. I give him credit. <laughs> it was a great performance. Uh, but basically, this M1 Ultra chip can rip a hole in time and space together. This chip is stronger than Chuck Norris. This chip can fire up a black hole in the center of the earth if too many are turned on at once. I mean, this is the M1 Ultra chip that recently Geekbench testing that even Apple Insider doesn't have an authorized source, but a source inside Apple confirmed that the benchmarks are authentic for these M1 Ultra chips where it scored 1793 single core and 24,055 on multi-core, which beats out the top-of-the-line Mac Pro with Xeon W chip, the 28-core Intel Xeon, and that scored 1,100 in single-core and just under 20,000 multi-core. The M1 Ultra beats it out. William, I thought it was hilarious. How many times it really felt like Apple was just dissing the Mac Pro throughout the event, and more so the chip that was inside the Mac Pro. But the, all the comparisons were to the 27-inch iMac that no longer exists mm. and the Mac Pro. And it is official that the M1 Ultra is 21% faster. I don't know. Did you get excited at this part of the event? So just to rewind a second there, rips a hole in space and time. That's right. Uh, and you're saying that Johnny Shrewsie was being dramatic. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I sorry, I got a little excited there for a second. I feel slightly yes. differently when we get to those stages because uh, I don't really understand the hardware side of it and i'm always automatically deeply suspicious of any graph <laughs> i know finally apple does include uh, what they're comparing to but uh, yeah i'm always a bit wary of it yeah but yes he did seem very excited and the geek bench means nothing to me i the num i get that it's not a real number it's a comparative thing right. but still the only number that kind of makes sense to me is three thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars Th those figures i'm <laughs> hot on those i think all the graphs which in the past, some of the graphs have been a little misleading because it, it was really trying to focus on the power consumption when it came to the MacBook Pros, trying to say it's almost as powerful as the top of the line chips and GPUs and laptops, but consumes way less power. And I think the one thing you can get from the graphs from this event is that not only do these use much less power, which on a desktop computer is not as necessary, but all the performance lines were above the Windows and PC alternatives from like NVIDIA or whatever they compared it to, performance was higher in the M1 Ultra. So I think that is pretty exciting. It is a, a big price difference. Wow. You know, when it came to the pricing of the Mac Studio, in my, my, in my heart, I was saying to myself, if they announce this desktop Mac at this event, this is going to be my Mac for years to come. I'm going to get this specced out. And then when they said that price point for the M1 Ultra, I said, I'm not getting the spec'd out. I think I'm going to go with the M1 Max model because I also can't justify the M1 Ultra. I mean, 
the stat that they said during the event was something like 18 streams yes. of 4K footage, yes. ProRes 422, and it's like, I have two cameras. I mean, even if I filmed nine things with, I don't know, like I, it's just unnecessary for my workflow. But I'm glad it exists. I'm glad that power exists for somebody out there. Yeah, I mean, I type so quickly that I'm probably going to put a strain on the M1 Ultra, <laughs> I think. You're wearing out those A and S keys. Well, I mean, the M1 Ultra is going to be having to keep up. So listen, this, this chip is just super powerful. I'm very excited to see what reviewers do with it. You know, MKBHD, I'm sure he's going to have a bunch of comparisons. He has a Mac Pro spec'd out in his studio. Comparing it to this M1 Ultra is going to be very interesting. So excited for that, what this chip means. There was one question. This is from at Matter or Ampazi on Twitter. You know, with this more of a transition to Apple Silicon, we're getting to the end of the two-year line here. I thought I asked an interesting question. Are we going to see an M1 in things like an Apple TV? And how is the the M lineup going to be with games? First of all, I think the fact that we see the M1 in the iPad Air right now, it means that Tim Cook is finding M1 chips in his sofa cushions. (laughs) Like there's M1 chips like in cereal boxes. Like they're just everywhere. They just they put them everywhere. So I thought this really was a interesting mm. thought. Like, could we see an Apple TV with a more powerful M chip? Like maybe just the M1 or maybe even the M1 Pro in an Apple TV device that is geared towards gaming. I don't think we're going to see something like an M1 Ultra, but I thought that was an interesting point. I would be excited to uh, see Apple do something like that. If they're putting it in the iPad Air, I just throw those M1s everywhere. Yeah, it's a clever point. It never occurred to me, but... Yes. At some point, it becomes that it's cheaper for Apple to make more M1s than something new. So that will be where it can be utilized. I don't know that it would necessarily facilitate extra gaming in the Apple TV, but it obviously could. It's just at some point, there's an economy of scale as well as a performance issue. So I think this is true. Yeah, we will see one. I don't know when. Right. Then we came to probably the most exciting part of the event a brand new desktop Mac, and it's a new device. You know, it does look like a Mac mini that grew a couple inches, like a Mac mini in adolescence or something. But the Mac Studio, brand new naming convention, it's a new device. William, I was very excited for this piece of hardware. Mm. First of all, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I I can't remember back to like the eMac days, but this might be the first Mac desktop, at least in a very long time, that has ports on the front. Hmm. I mean, for, in my memory, Mac Mini has never had ports on the front. iMac never had ports on the front. And even the Mac Pro, I think the old 2008 to 2012 Mac Pro. Yeah, the cheese grater one. That did. Yes. That cheese grater had the ports on the front, like a USB A port or something. Even the brand new Mac Pro, it's got ports on top, which, you know, it was more useful if you have it on the floor. If you have it on a desk, then less useful. You know, you can't really see the ports. But I love this form factor, a slightly taller Mac mini, basically 3.7 inches tall, 7.7 inches square. Uh, I saw a lot of jokes saying Apple should have just called it the Big Mac, like the McDonald's Big Mac, which I think that's pretty funny. I I like that joke. Anyway. You see, I come from the other way. I don't see it as a Mac mini that grew. I see it as a Mac cube that got cut about two thirds of the way down. (laughs) That was the G3 cube, right? Yes, Or G4. Yeah, yeah. I'm cube uh, half empty, you're cube half full. That's yeah. that's what that is. <laughs> that's it. But I love the port selection on this device. Hmm. It's got two USB-Cs on the front, which interestingly are USB-C if you get the M1 Max version, and they are Thunderbolt 4s if you get the M1 Ultra version. And so if you go with the M1 Ultra version, you get six 
Thunderbolt 4 ports on this one device, which is pretty cool. Also, an SD card slot on the front. And what I am most excited about, William, I feel like this era of having to do all these USB-C and Thunderbolt docks, I think it's going to be over for me. Wow. I think I'll be able to just use the ports on the back of this device. It's got the four Thunderbolt 4s on the back. It's got the Ethernet port. It has two USB-As, which will actually be useful because my Stream Deck is USB-A. And the little dongles that come with things like the Logitech MX Master 3, those little USB-A dongles, you can stick it in the back there. Plus the pro audio headphone jack. So if you have high impedance headphones, I just I love the ports of this thing. I feel like Apple nailed it with the port selection. Hang on, this makes for a reasonably obvious question. Have you actually ordered it? Yeah, we're going to get there, William. All right. We're going to get about what I, what I ordered in a okay. second. In a Tantalizing, second. yes. Yes. I do want to mention uh, a couple other things before we get to that. The M1 Ultra version is two pounds heavier than the M1 Max version of the Mac Studio, which I think is hilarious. And it's because of the heatsink. The M1 Ultra version has a copper heatsink and the M1 Max version has aluminum. So the cooling system of the M1 Ultra is two pounds heavier, which I, I just think is hilarious. I just love that. They both use the same 370 watt power supply, but it's all about that the thermal module that makes a difference. So I think that's interesting. And so when it came to pricing, You know, I was very glad they didn't just launch a Mac Studio with M1 Ultra because that version starts at $4,000. And I think that would have been out of range, especially what compared to, is this replacing the 27-inch iMac? But it starts at $2,000 for the M1 Max version, which I think is very good. Uh, I think those are good price points. You get a very powerful computer and it still leaves room for the Mac Pro. And I, I love the fact that John Turnus, at the end of the event, I don't know of Apple doing this very often, no. but I wrote, I watched it again today and I wrote down the quote because he said, quote, this Mac studio making our transition nearly complete with just one more product to go Mac pro, but that's for another day. I don't know many times where Apple has legitimately teased another product announcement, literally saying that the Mac pro will be updated with Apple Silicon another day. You know, he didn't say this year, but presumably WWDC seems like a likely time. I don't know. Did, did that hit you, William? Yes. And so did an earlier point, which I, I haven't seen comment on anywhere. When the M1 Ultra was announced, he said uh, that this is the last of the M1 things. Yes. Very clear about it. And Apple rarely, no, never says that kind of thing. And it occurred to me, I can't remember how many uh, events now we've had done on video instead of in person, but they're world-class television productions, absolutely perfectly well done. And it seems to me that maybe this time they chose to just shake it up a tiny bit dramatically because they added uh, foreshadowing about the M1 becoming the M2. And then they had the cliffhanger ending with the Mac Pro still to come kind of thing. So I think it was just a narrative necessity that they would go this way. No, no, no. I think that was fa- I thought that was fascinating. You know, there have been the leaks of the Jade 2C die, which is the die that the M1 chips are built on. The 2C die really seems like it is this M1 Ultra which is two M1 Maxes fused together. The Jade 4C was assumed to be going in the Mac Pro or the most powerful Mac, which would just be two M1 Ultras. So I feel like Apple could just say, here's the new Mac Pro with a new hardware design that's modular with PCIe card slots and you can put video cards and it has even more ports built in. You know, have that modular design and they could say, you can get it with two M1 Ultras or 
maybe they'll have a new naming convention for whatever chip goes in the Mac Pro. You know, the Intel chips, it went to Intel Xeon when you're really talking about those powerhouse desktop computers. I wonder if Apple will have just a whole new name. Maybe it's like the X1 or, I don't know, call it just something totally different. But Fred. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Fred. I'd buy a processor called Fred. <laughs> Why not? No, no. Why does it have to be boring letters and numbers together? Fred, Susan, the processor. Yeah, what's wrong with that? You wanted to have like a legitimate name, like a person name. Yeah, well, yeah just something other than uh, a string of letters yeah, yeah. and numbers. I don't know what it is about the technology industry that thinks X124, Fireball XL5 or something. It's just, okay. <laughs> but I, you know. I vote for X, X1 Extreme. And the X uh, is short for Professor Xavier, which is the X-Men. Oh, see. That, that I think, uh, I think would really apply here. I was trying I to work out Roman numerals from that. X, I, something, you know, okay. But, oh, uh, no, 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 no. So we'll see. So very exciting. I mean, very cool that they teased that. Now, friend of the show, basic Apple guy, uh, he had a very important question here. He said he needs a step-by-step guide on how to justify buying a Mac Studio with M1 Ultra when all you do is tweet and blog. <laughs> I said... Now, this is a very this is a very tough. <laughs> That's a great question. Okay. Now I would say step one: think of the future. <laughs> think think right. long term. You got to have a long view. Say I want to buy a Mac that will last me forever, or at least until I want to buy another one. And say, listen, that M1 Ultra is going to run anything and everything I need for years to come. I mean, you can have Tweet Deck open with like eighteen columns, and that M1 Ultra is not even going to get a sweat. Let's be real. And I, I think that's plenty worth it. Uh, so step two is just buy it. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. I think I can cut it down to one step. Um, okay, okay. Uh, uh, very similar to your last one, just buy it. But the thing is, um, it's just us. You know, we'll no, no one else needs to know. Right, Off exactly. Off we go. It'll be fine. Exactly. It'll be good. So someone could just see that Mac Studio and just, they can assume. Just let them assume you got yeah. the M1 Max version. That's totally fine. Yeah. I, in all seriousness, I, I'm I'm not ever going to rule out a Mac because of the price. Certainly, I can't afford an M1 Ultra, but I am very conscious that throughout all of my use of Macs, the more you spend on it, the the longer they last and the, the better they are for it. So I think if you can, if you can physically afford the cash, I think um, there are worse things to do with your money than buy a fantastic Mac that's going to last you the next 10 years. Yeah, mm, That was good. That was good, William. I think that was even better justification. We'll go with that. That's good. This episode is brought to you by Headspace. Listen, we're in a new year. We all hope that it was going to be new year, new me. But there's also a lot of stuff going on. Sometimes it's hard to find that off switch for your mind, whether you've been reading the news a lot, seeing the videos, whatever's going on that may be causing that stress and anxiety to come on you. I highly recommend you try Headspace. And those small changes in your daily routine, taking that time can really help your overall well-being, mental health, and relieve some of that stress and anxiety. A lot of times when people ask us how we're doing, we'll say fine, but we don't really mean it. I remember this line from the movie The Italian Job. Fine means freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. That's what it means when someone says they're fine. But a lot of times we tell ourselves that we're fine, even though we're feeling anger, sadness, or nervous. Well, Headspace is scientifically proven to help you manage your feelings and your mental health. In fact, a recent study proved in just two weeks, Headspace can reduce your stress by 14%. So whether you want to relieve stress and anxiety, sleep better, or improve your focus, Headspace is your everyday dose of mindfulness for real life. I've really enjoyed making Headspace part of my morning routine. Just taking a couple minutes for that moment of mindfulness 
makes a huge difference. I really appreciate their segments on anxiety. I've done those personally and it helps, especially when I feel overwhelmed. And they even have exercises you can do with your kids. I've done several with my kids about focus and attention. They enjoy doing it too. And it's a great kind of bonding moment with me and my kids doing these Headspace sessions. So however you're feeling, try Headspace at headspace.com slash Apple Insider. And you get one month totally for free off their entire mindfulness library. This is the best Headspace offer available. So go to headspace.com slash Apple Insider today. That's headspace.com slash Apple Insider. And that link is in the show notes. You can try it there. Now, thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode and our friends at Grammarly. You might be trying to plan for the rest of this year, 2022. It's easy to get busy and involved with job and maybe you're trying to do content creation work. Well, having a tool like Grammarly will help you work more efficiently, both in your planning and in your writing. Maybe it's just in writing emails or you're trying to apply for a new job and you need help with that cover letter. Grammarly is more than just a spelling and grammar checker. It's an all-in-one writing tool that allows you to clearly and effectively communicate your ideas. Grammarly's free and premium features can save you time and give you the confidence of knowing your writing is professional. It's free to download and easy to integrate in your daily life. It works where you work, like in Gmail or in your web browser to help you work more efficiently on any of your projects. I actually use Grammarly all the time. I use it when I write articles for Apple Insider. Sometimes I'll check important emails through Grammarly. Or if I'm writing something like a blog or article, I run everything through Grammarly. And it tells me exactly what I need to do, both for punctuation and grammar. And then it makes recommendations like tone and active and passive voice. And I'll be honest, I wasn't super into my English classes in high school. And Grammarly helps me understand the differences between those kinds of things, active, passive voice, run-on sentences. And it makes those helpful suggestions that you can include in your writing. I also love their clarity suggestions that can simplify sentences to get your point across faster. And again, that free tone detector ensures your message is never misinterpreted. That's a big deal. So get through those emails and your work quicker by keeping it concise, confident, and effective with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash Apple Insider to sign up for a free account. And when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium, you can get 20% off for being an Apple Insider listener. That's 20% off at G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash Apple Insider. And you get 20% off when you go there. Grammarly.com slash Apple Insider or click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to Grammarly for sponsoring this episode. All right, and the last thing that they announced, the peak performance event, was the studio display. I'll be honest, I was doubtful that we would see a cheaper Apple display come out, but that is exactly what happened. The studio display, it starts at $1,599, so $1,600. It is powered by an A13, which we'll get to in a second. You got one Thunderbolt, three USB-C ports on the back for four total ports. There is a little bit of nickel and diming when it comes to the stand. It is included with a $1,600 model, which is great. You know, unlike the Pro Display XDR that doesn't come with a stand. But you can get it with nano texture finish for $1,900. Or you can get it with a tilt and height adjustable. It is not height adjustable at the base model. That model costs $2,000 without the nano texture. And you put it together, you could spend $2,300 on this display for the tilt and height adjustable nature and the nano texture. But I would be very happy just with the base model, $1,600. I think it looks great. It has the camera with uh, center stage. It's probably going to sound great. You know, Apple is even saying it's Dolby Atmos and spatial audio certified. It has the mics. I think it's a great display, William. Did, were you glad to see this? You know, I feel guilty saying this after you just praised it. I got a tiny, tiny, tiny bit bored. 
with that bit. Because mm-hmm. yes, the camera, yes, the sound, but I've seen pro-displayed XDRs and they're just a gog with how good they are. And plus, I'd heard all the rumours that it was going to be a 7K version. So when it was 5, was like, no, 5. This is actually the same screen as an iMac, a 5K, 27-inch 5K iMac. Right. And uh, there's a guy called Pete Wilson who watches my uh, 58 Keys YouTube thing. And he was saying, uh, very persuasively, I thought, that actually what we're looking at is not uh, Apple Studio Display. It's the next iMac. That in a few months we're going to see an iMac that has that same screen uh, in it and just, uh, you know, Mm. some more bits underneath. And interesting, but... I want a bigger screen, although he says that as well. Yeah. I want to comment on that on that idea in a moment. You know, the big difference here, the Pro Display XDR, it has way more nits of brightness, which actually makes it an XDR screen. Mm. This studio display can get HDR content, but it is not truly like an HDR display. Like it's just not enough brightness to do. Like it's just over the line, so it's maybe considered HDR, but it is not at the caliber of the XDR. The XDR is also 6K at 32 inches. This one is 5K at 27 inches. But, and Fernando Silva, a friend of the show, asked, you know, why is there an A13 chip in this monitor? And the fact that this monitor has the camera for center stage and the mics and speakers, that A13 is doing the work whenever you have a FaceTime call, which FaceTime, you know, you have the noise canceling features now, plus it's doing center stage. You can do share play using this monitor and say a Mac studio or another Mac desktop. So doing things like share play, doing the spatial audio, the mic array, power management. That's why they put that A13 chip in there. But again, if you are a more consumer level and just need a monitor, you probably want those things like camera, mics, and all that, which you don't get with the Pro Display XDR. There's no camera in the XDR. And I don't think there's speakers either. Mm. There's no speakers in the XDR. Am I Right there? I believe so. Good point. Okay. So, you know, it is a very different product. It is tempting for me, but I also watched Snazzy Labs, Quinn Nelson, his YouTube channel. He talked about the display and he kind of was not as excited about it either. Basically saying if you have an LG 5K or even an older 5K iMac, it is literally the same panel, just in a much nicer package. And for me, I have the LG 4K Ultrafine. It doesn't look great. It's kind of bland. It's plastic. You know, the the studio display obviously looks much better, but hard to justify $1,600 in 2000 if you want the height adjustable nature. When I kind of have a decent LG display here and the studio display doesn't have any kind of higher refresh rate, you know, you still get the 60 hertz. And so I actually passed on the studio display, but I'm glad it's there. I'm glad it's there and, and maybe I'll update to it for the aesthetic reason, but I couldn't justify that right now. So... I get having a tepid uh, reaction for sure. Now, uh, co-host Wes Hilliard, he asked on Twitter, is this the monitor that will convince you, William, to watch Ted Lasso? Yes. And from your, (laughs) yes? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Oh, oh, sorry, I didn't didn't hear the sarcasm initially. Rush to do that. I think if I just say yes long enough, you'll all stop asking me. (laughs) We'll be happy when you actually watch it, William. That's That's what we'll see. I'll send you another Ted Lasso blanket. I also thought it was funny. There's been some talk about the Thunderbolt 4 cables that Apple is selling because you need a Thunderbolt cable to attach your Mac Studio to the studio display. And Apple now sells a three meter Thunderbolt 4 cable for the low, low price of $160. If you are not in the world of Thunderbolt cables, that sounds audacious, $160 for a cable. But I will tell you, there's not really any options for a three meter cable when it comes to Thunderbolt 4. Like you'll find a lot of 1.8 meter cables and shorter from like Monoprice and, and other vendors, 
But if you want a, like a long cable, three meters, this might be one of your few options. And so you can get one, just 160 bucks. Okay, two more quick things, and then we'll get to if we bought anything from this event. There are some updates coming to iMovie that will give it some more features. Listen, I, I just wanted to know when Final Cut is on the iPad. That Just just tell me that, okay? Cool that they're adding features to iMovie, but uh, that's I'm really just in here for Final Cut. That, that's all. Do you have any thoughts on that? That kind of passed me by. Actually, I've been, I've been working with someone who's using iMovie where I use Final Cut Pro, and I've been actually really impressed with how much iMovie can do. It's like there's so much in there that you would use Final Cut Pro for. It's just like the small little extra bits, which are important and useful. But iMovie is amazingly uh, powerful. So if it's been updated even further, that's just great all around. Yeah, no, no, it is great. I, I just want to see Final Cut on iPad. That's all. I mean, the, the iPad Air is M1 now. <laughs> you can run Final Cut on that. Let's do it. Mm, I love uh, Final Cut Pro on my 14-inch uh, MacBook Pro. That's bliss. Yeah, oh, it is. It really is. Now, also, we lost a product after this event. Yeah. The 27-inch iMac quietly disappeared. Yeah. After being compared to the M1 Ultra a bunch of times during the event and being dissed there, uh, it's no longer on Apple's website. So you cannot buy a 27-inch iMac. And there was some questions about this. Dr. Frank Butler on Twitter asked, you know, the 27-inch iMac kind of fit in between the price points of the 24-inch iMac and now a Mac Studio and Studio Display. You know, we're kind of missing that all-in-one two to 3000 price point. You know, even if you get the base model Mac Studio and base model Studio Display, you're talking about $3,600. And so to get a large screen and get a Mac, mm. you don't have that option anymore. There's just no 27-inch iMac. So I thought this was interesting. I don't know. Do you think the 27 inches is going to come back? Do you think this is a temporary thing? I hope so. I mean, I just from historical reasons, I was sorry to see it go. Until my new MacBook Pro, I would have said the best Mac I ever owned was a 27-inch iMac, and that was from 2012. So before the Retina screen, even, it was still fantastic. So it's, it's a gorgeous machine, and that it just slipped away without anyone noticing seems sad. Yeah, I think it's going to come back. I think I'm just also hoping that it's going to come back with a slightly bigger screen for it. You know, the old right. best trick that apple's been doing <laughs> right recently. maybe that will happen i am thinking because dr frank butler's point was if, if you want to get more than 16 gigs of ram in a mac but not buy the new macbook pro and the mac studio you don't really have an option because all the m1 machines max out at 16 gigs of unified memory but i think there is a rumor that there will be an updated mac mini maybe with m2 and m2 pro chips and if you get an m2 pro like an M1 Pro now, you can upgrade that RAM, I think at least 32, if not 64. Yeah, you can get up to 32 gigs of unified memory with an M1 Pro. And so I could imagine a world where there is no more a large iMac. And the answer for those who want something a little more powerful than the 24-inch iMac are pushed to a Mac Mini with an M2 Pro and the studio display. And that'd be kind of like that prosumer level, not the Mac Studio level, but also a little more than the 24-inch iMac. I don't know. And the fact that the new iMac is 24 inches, you know, a 27-inch iMac doesn't feel like it would be a big enough difference for Apple to kind of market that in a different space unless they put the M2 Max chip in it. But then pricing... I, I don't know. It, it, it's confusing. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure if we'll see the 27 inch back. I think the Mac Studio has altered the landscape of desktop Macs quite a bit. And we're going to see it's going to take a while for it to settle down until we know what's where. Like the, the iMac Pro felt like a temporary stopgap. And as it turned out, it was. The Mac Studio 
feels like the start of something bigger it's the future for it where does the iMac fit in with that 27 inch one uh, I see a point about 24 and 27 but if the 27 comes back with a similarly bezeled larger display and it's 30 is the difference between 30 and 24 big enough possibly yeah I don't know so I, I am less confident that we'll see a large iMac you know maybe they do a legit iMac Pro that's 30 inches with the M1 Ultra you know, that could be something that comes out of WWDC and it's not the 27 inch larger iMac. It is a different, you know, product line, the iMac Pro, but that will not fit the kind of price range that uh, Dr. Frank was talking about. It's not going to be that in between the small iMac and Pro desktops. So I'll be very curious what Apple does at the rest of this year. And we also have some rumors that the MacBook Air redesign will be coming in the fall with the M2 chip. I definitely think this fall we'll see an M2 lineup released probably that mac mini the macbook air and the base model macbook pro all get the m2 chip like we did a year ago i had that or it'll be two years ago at that time getting that uh, update to the m2 so anyway final question for you william yes did you buy anything at, at the end of this event did you buy anything no i did not okay i i can tell you i want some things from it basically i want a mac studio with m1 ultra if i buy anything it might might well actually be the keyboard but as of right now, no, nothing. Do you now? You have the M1 Mac Mini, don't you? Yes, M1 Mac Mini. I have the uh, M1 Max 14-inch MacBook Pro, and I have an M1 iPad Pro. So, uh, throwing an iPhone 13 Pro, and I'm I'm fine for the moment. Yeah, you got. Yeah, you got I it. lust after the Mac Studio, but I don't need it. So you got the M1 Max MacBook Pro? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. So that's you know that's where I'm at. I got the M1 Pro. MacBook Pro. I traded in my M1 MacBook Pro, got the M1 Pro because I wanted, you know, the screen, high refresh rate, you know, wanted to have that that portable machine. I'm going to have an interesting dilemma next time the next iPad Pro comes out because I feel like, I don't know what that landscape is going to look like. Mm. Are they going to put the M2 in the iPad Pro? And do I want to keep, I, I, I need a laptop if I want to do like website work away from the desk. I still can't do that on the iPad. But I'm not sure if having a large iPad and a 14-inch MacBook makes any sense at all. So I have to investigate that. But I did buy something. Great, right. I've been waiting for this. What'd you get? What'd you get? So I've been waiting for a pro desktop from Apple. And this Mac Studio really fits the bill. And I really could not justify, unlike basic Apple guy, I could not justify the M1 Ultra. Pricing out of my range. And also, like, I'm not doing 18 streams of 4K video. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm doing three to four max when I edit a video, like top-down shot, A-roll, B-roll. So could not justify M1 Ultra. That's why I'm glad that the Mac Studio comes with that M1 Max option. And so that's what I did. I got the Mac Studio with M1 Max updated to the 32-core GPU because you do get a choice there. If you get the M1 Max, Mac Studio, you can get the 24-core GPU or 32. So I did get the higher M1 Max version. And because this is my long-term desktop, I got the 64 gigs of unified memory and the two terabyte SSD. And I'm confident that that desktop is going to last me quite a while. Mm. And so I, I jumped on that. And, you know, I would have loved to have the M1 Ultra just because, but I just, I could not justify the cost difference and I wasn't going 128 gigs of unified memory. That's the other difference. If you want 128 gigs of memory, you have to get the M1 Ultra. The M1 Max model does not support it. So I wasn't going to do that anyway. And so that's why I did M1 Max, 32 core GPU, 
64 gigs of unified memory, two terabyte SSD, and that's my desktop Mac for years to come. And so I'm pretty excited about it. Should come on launch day, right. which the way we record this show, I won't be able to talk about it until the next week. But uh, yeah, this should be coming. Wow, so I'm excited. You moved quickly then. I wrote a piece up and thought about how fast uh, the launch slipped. Anything, when you did any build to order options, it just went further and further back. I mean, I, I just, I scoped out the build to order thing, what he was saying, and I added all the bits there. If I ordered it now, uh, April 29th to May the 6th is when I would get it. So you having it on March the 18th, that f fast fingers there. <laughs> well, again, I've been waiting for this desktop computer and so i was you know ready ready to go and I, I opened the apple store app on my iphone as soon as the event ended <laughs> and it was ready to purchase like i you know the, the store was active it was ready to go now if i tried to order that configuration right now yes it would be april 29 to may 6 it is quite a ways out but i jumped in there and i got it so i'm excited to try it out to uh export some video on it and maybe even try some live streaming from the Mac Studio. I think it's going to be a, a fun machine. It's going to be pretty yeah. powerful. I'm, so. I'm actually very envious. I think it's a, you've got a good buy there. Nice choice of options. Thank you. Yeah, and I, and I might, again, consolidate, because I've been using my MacBook Pro docked, you know, whenever I work here at the desk, and now the Mac Studio will take its place. And so now I just really have to figure out what I want as a portable setup. Mm. Do I need a large iPad, or should I just rock the MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini and the iPad Mini and just kind of roll with that? But that's for another day. And that's maybe when uh, the next iPads come out, I'll think about it. Send me whatever you're not using. I'll look after it. Okay. Right. right. Did you ever get my last iPad Pro in the mail? Yeah. Or did that get lost in the mail? Yeah. That remember. happened. Yeah. Mm. yeah that, mm. <laughs> so sorry. You know what didn't get lost in the mail? <laughs> the Ted Lasso blanket. <laughs> right. That, that's that's <laughs> the way you'd want it to be, wouldn't it? A posted iPad yeah. or a blanket. Okay. Yes. I yeah, exactly. caught a break there. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, well. Anyway, listeners, let us know what you thought of the event, what you're most excited for. If you got something from the event, maybe a new Mac Studio, we'd love to hear it. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. And stay tuned because there's going to be reviews that come out next week. We'll be talking all about it on the next episode. Make sure you're subscribed. You can also check out HomeKit Insider, Andrew O'Hara and myself talk about smart home stuff. And we talked a little bit about the Mac Studio versus Mac Pro thing on that show as well. That comes out Monday. Keep those five-star ratings and reviews coming. We'd love to give you shout-outs on the next episode. Oh, and last thing, you can support the show, get an ad-free version, early access, and our private Discord access when you support the show with $5 a month, patreon.com slash Apple Insider, and directly in Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>